Welcome to the One Signal Podcast, where we aim to educate listeners on product, industry, and best practices to retain and grow your audience. This is your host, Josh Wetzel. We've got a great guest today for you, Chad White, Head of Research at Oracle Marketing Consulting. He's here to discuss the evolution of new customer communication channels, the importance of email and journeys, and more. Chad has been in the digital marketing and specifically email on the research and editorial side for more than 15 years. So he's an expert in the space and we're really excited to have him on the podcast. Welcome and appreciate you joining us, Chad. Oh, thanks for having me, Josh. So let's jump right in. We'd love to understand what you do today at Oracle Marketing Consulting. I actually never heard of Oracle Marketing Consulting. Obviously, we all know Oracle is this amazing, great tech titan. But what do you do and, and what is Oracle Marketing Consulting? Yeah, so we're kind of a, a, you know, Oracle is a very big organization. We're sort of like a hidden gem inside of Oracle. We're actually a global full-service digital marketing agency that's tucked right inside of Oracle. We've got about 500 consultants, and we're focused an awful lot on email marketing, but we also do SMS and mobile push, browser push, loyalty, web work. So we do kind of everything. Um and we're global. So we really help our clients tackle you know, any challenge that comes their way, overcome any obstacle that comes their way. And certainly the last few years have been incredibly dynamic, no shortage of challenges to overcome for sure. So my role within Oracle Marketing Consulting is that I'm the head of research, which means I have sort of a dual facing role. I help internally with our client work, you know, when we need a new you know, point of view on something that's come up. So certainly uh, like uh, male privacy protection is a, a good example. When that came yep. about, our clients obviously had tons of questions. What do we do? What do we need to think about? And so, you know, I helped lead the charge on kind of aggregating all of our thoughts and crystallizing sort of an overall kind of game plan as to how people should think about it, sort of a framework. And we use that internally with our clients to help educate them and help guide them towards solutions. Now. The other half of my role is outward facing. We're constantly, you know, addressing client questions and it feels kind of greedy to like just keep all of that to ourselves. So we like to share that, you know, with the industry. So we repackage that, you know, into blog posts and webinars and podcasts. And, you know, we like to share. I think that's one of the fantastic things about the email marketing community is that it is very open and very collaborative. And we certainly want to be a part of that collaboration. Well, I appreciate that. Like that's part of why you're you're joining here today to get the word out. Let, let me ask you just like some background. Like, you know, how did you get started in email and and digital marketing in general? Like where where did that come from? Yeah, so my background is in journalism. Uh, I worked at Condé Nast and Dow Jones for a number of years. And in both cases, uh, I was covering retail for most of my time in the world of journalism. And one of the things that we would do to source stories is that we would sign up for retailers' email marketing programs because they would announce new functionality for their websites or new joint ventures or whatever it might be. So it was a great source of news. And so then we would follow up with the retailers and, and get more details. So that was sort of my first kind of real exposure to email marketing. And uh, sort of the pivotal moment for me was that my brother started a personal blog. This was back in like 2005. And he was all like, oh, look, I started this blog. And being the competitive younger brother, I was like, oh, well, my chucklehead brother can start a blog. Like, certainly I can. And I thought about, hey, what would, what would I write about? And I was like, oh, I get all of these emails from retailers. Like, let me write about that. And so I started something called the Retail Email Blog 
Yeah. And essentially every day I would blog about what I was seeing in my inbox and I would do a kind of a lot of vigorous tracking of trends and when people would start to talk about various holidays. And I did a lot of sort of analytical rigor behind it, but I did that for years and years and years and years. And that was sort of my first foray. Um, I feel like that's when I really got into the email marketing industry. I joined an email marketing uh, agency and kind of the rest is history. I never looked back. <laughs> that was, yeah. uh, you know, done with journalism at that point. But I really, I use all my journalistic muscles today that I, I used back when I was at Condé Nast and Dow Jones. Um, yeah. And that's one of the things I like, I really love about our industry is that it's constantly evolving, constantly changing. You always need to be adapting. There's always a new story, a new angle. And that's what I get out of this is that I love the change and I love the the dynamic environment and I'm like a curious person. And so I absolutely adore our industry and the people again are fantastic. Yep. Can't beat email marketers. Yeah, that's cool. And so you basically, just to close out on this, you saw the world go from Black Friday, Cyber Monday to now those things have almost moved up a week. Like the deals are really pre-Thanksgiving, pre-Black Friday, and it was kind of led by this this charge, I think, and, and email was a big part of it, right? Like, let me get my discounts out. Let me get people's attention. Because when you started that in 2005, 2006, people were still very much regimented on the the Friday and the, the Monday. And also very much on retail side, they still wanted foot traffic. They were very much like, come in my store. So it's an interesting, I mean, you've witnessed that trend, I'm assuming, right? Or is that not as pronounced or? No, well, there's been just innumerable changes to the industry. You know, obviously, you know, the whole web infrastructure has matured tremendously, but also, you know, email marketing has matured in amazing ways. I gave a presentation recently where I sort of recounted, you know, all of the email marketing developments that had happened just since I got in the industry, you know, 15 years ago. And it was just a ton of things that were things you didn't have to think about back in 2006. Yeah. I mean, you know, engagement-based email filtering and BME and DMARC and all the authentication stuff. Dark mode didn't exist. CDPs yeah. didn't exist. I mean, the list is really long of all these things that were just not a part of the equation. And, you know, so yeah, absolutely. Back then, things were pretty simple and straightforward. And there was, you know, it was a lot about fine-tuning the messaging, but it has gotten progressively more complicated, lots more segmentation, lots more personalization, lots more automation. I mean, the, the maturity slope is pretty great, you know, like a lot more sophistication over the years, which again, I think is fantastic. You know, periodically you hear people say like, ah, oh, email marketing, that's so old and it hasn't changed. And anytime I hear that, it just confirms for me that that person has no idea what they're talking about when it comes to email yeah. marketing, because there's been just tremendous, tremendous change over yeah. the years. Well, it's a good segue into kind of the first area of, of topic I want to get into. Um, but you jogged my memory on something. So, you know, email has been around for a long time. It's clearly the workhorse, right? Like everybody should have an email program. At least that's, we believe ultimately, particularly on the mobile side, we're seeing more and more businesses start where they're really focused on push because they've just got an app. And we think, you know, email is a good complement to them. But how do you talk with your clients? Because the data is out there, the efficacy is continually on the decline, right? Mo many reasons for it, um, whether it's the Gmail suite or other solutions are better at, at removing spam um, or quite frankly, putting them in a different tab. So it's harder to like go find them. 
How do you think about the efficacy and training people up to do better email so therefore it actually connects with the audience versus like 10, 15 years ago where those things probably weren't as top of mind? Yeah, well, I would push back about uh, the efficacy of email falling. I don't, I don't really see much evidence of that at all. I mean, certainly we live in a very dynamic space. Things like MPP are definitely not amazing but, you know, CCPA and GDPR, everyone was fretting about those two. And they thought that was going to be, you know, the end of email marketing and, and digital marketing. But it seems like the sky is always falling with email marketing, uh, but yeah. it never does. Um, and again, I think it speaks to this adaptability that the channel has. I think email marketing is, well, it's absolutely more sophisticated and more dynamic than it's ever been. But yep. I think the ROI is absolutely held up. And I think the thing that I always come back to when people start to cast doubt on email marketing is that it is the number one channel that people want to hear from brands via. You know, yeah. When you ask them in survey after survey, every survey I've seen since I've been in the industry, if you ask them, how do you want to be communicated with, with brands? Consumers always say email. It's always number one. And I know that over the years, there's all these new channels that have come in and email marketers, we love to break up a cool party by jumping in the way of the of the camera and you know sneaking in the window to get into the party. Like we know how to kill a good party. So you know TikTok comes along, we want to bust in there and pretend like we belong. But you know when you, when it comes down to it, you really want to be where you're welcome. And email marketing has perennially been that place where people want to hear from brands. So you don't have to swim upstream. Like you can swim with the flow of the river, which is great. So yeah. I think email is as strong as it's ever been. And you know, when it comes to talking about what does that mix look like, I do feel that we do constantly get into this well, what should we do? Should we do email or should we do SMS? Should we do, you know, mobile push or or social? And I think that's like incredibly reductive. Um, you need to do all of these things. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't do everything all at once, you know, maximally for sure. You do have to prioritize, but pay attention to where your audience is. You know, what does your audience look like? Where are they and what are they receptive to? <laughs> you know, where do they want you to be? And pay attention to that. Also pay attention to the fact that all these channels are incredibly different. You know, we certainly hear a lot a of talk point. about like the SMS versus email idea. And, you know, there's like really clear differences between these channels, right? So email marketing, for instance, is a much richer canvas to paint on. You yep. can have much more complex messages and much longer messages than you can have in SMS or even you know MMS. It just you could have a much richer message. But also there are incredibly different cadence expectations. Yep. If you were to send an SMS every time you sent an email, <laughs> people would opt out of your SMS in a heartbeat, right? But so the tolerance levels are much different. The expectations are much different. So all these channels are very different. The expectations are different. The capabilities are different. And you need to use them all in a way that makes sense for your brand, but also meets consumer expectations. So yep. it's not email versus something else. It's email with all these other things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, my, my question was more around, um, and you answered it, but it was more around the 
I think we're just bombarded with so many channels. And so it's harder to get attention. You know, I've worked in the retail space quite a bit. And, you know, I've seen the performance of email decline. It's still the workhorse. It's still the number one, you know, channel, particularly on the engagement side. But it's harder because there are these tools that are wiping it out. And I, I quite frankly, you know, we could spend probably hours talking about what's the right cadence because I think that's where I think a lot of brands get caught up. Like, you know, the you'll sign up for uh I won't name any brands, but maybe some major retailers where they're sending you like multiple emails a day. And it's like, you know, that's too much, right? Like at a certain point, unless you love this brand and you only wear the clothes or you only shop there, even then it's a lot. So anyhow, we won't, we don't necessarily need to go down that, that rabbit hole because- well, Let's talk about the frequency thing. Cause the, okay, the yeah. frequency thing definitely is one of the things that I think folks really fixate on. Now, I, I recently did an interview with a reporter from The Atlantic, and he was very concerned about how much certain brands were sending. This just seemed outrageous to him. And uh, <laughs> I, I tried to explain that the system has feedback mechanisms that are not brand new, that have been refined and refined and refined over the last decade plus. Yep. There's almost not a way to send too many emails and not know it. Because if you send too many emails, whatever that is for your brand, for your audience, if you send too many, things, bad things start to happen, right? So people start to churn out yep. and then you're paying more to replace them. So your acquisition costs go up. So that's bad and evident. <laughs> also, if you send too many emails, your engagement tends to fall. And that directly nowadays leads to deliverability problems. Yep. And then you've got major problems that you didn't have to remediate and that costs a lot of money. So it's really hard to impossible to send too many emails and not encounter pretty significant dire consequences because of it. Yeah. I think we need to recognize that, that there's all these feedback. So, you know, just because one brand happens to send a lot of emails, you may wonder like, oh, how do they do that? Well, it probably is because they have very different rules for how they handle when folks become inactive. You know, they probably have a much shorter window of tolerance for that because yeah. they have to do something. Otherwise, again, you encounter these dire consequences where all of a sudden your emails are getting blocked in Gmail and now all the, the revenue you're anticipating drops by 60, 70%, which is again, highly noticeable. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, the other thing to recognize is that you know people don't use their inbox like they use their phone for SMS messages, right? You send an SMS message and people get that. They see that. Every single time you send an SMS message, people are going to see that. And that's powerful, but also it can become incredibly annoying if you don't have your cadence right, you don't have your message right. Email marketing doesn't work that way. A lot of people are getting their promotional emails and their promotions tab in Gmail, and they only go there when they know they're in the market to buy. And there they are, the emails from the brands they care about are there for them to use. So the usage of email is really different. And yep. so it almost doesn't matter if you're a brand that sends daily. It just means that your most recent message is there when your subscriber goes to engage with your brand. And, and a lot of consumers will start with their inbox when they know they want to buy from a brand because they want to get you know, the best deal. They want to see what's new. So it's kind of like an on-demand personal homepage. And that's yeah. how a lot of people use it. So they don't... It, the, you need to think about 
the expectations for the channel. It's really so important. It's yeah. not the same as with SMS. It's more inclined like social because social is also this endless stream of stuff going by yep. and nobody's watching every single thing that the brand that they've signed up to follow is saying. They tune yeah. in when they're in the market. I think I just learned something. I totally am doing Gmail promotions tab wrong. Like I go in there and I'm deleting stuff every day and I'm like, there's just too many messages from <laughs> X brand. Um, but maybe it's because I'm just too particular. I want to clean up my inbox. Um, <laughs> I'm so yeah. over inbox zero. I don't even try. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's there it's when funny. you need it. That's when I, you know, I have it... my, my personal email is for all that stuff. My work email is, is different, but yeah. Um, so sure. actually, okay. I have a couple of questions here, specifically email, like for one, the amp, right. Which was a really important thing, especially as we're moving to, a mobile first world. Lots of parts of the world are only mobile devices. Absolutely. Um, you know, AMP for email, is that something that is will be ubiquitous and everyone will support it? Or was that an experiment that really hasn't taken hold? Like, what's your take on AMP? Yeah, so personally, I really love AMP. I think AMP does a lot of great things. You know, the interactivity is fantastic. It lowers barriers to engagement. Uh, the real-time content capacity of AMP is also really powerful. And for some brands, that's actually even more important than the interactivity, which kind of gets all the attention. But the, the real-time content is really valuable for AMP. Unfortunately, the timing for AMP for email was really just kind of all kinds of awfully wrong, right? Like, so it launched, it barely got to spin up. And then we had a pandemic. Everybody started to cut back. Uh, they wanted to, you know, they wanted to lean back and like see how things developed. Teams also tended to get pretty lean around that time, even before the great resignation. Yep. Um, and when teams are lean, you need to like really prioritize. And I don't see AMP as being that thing that has been prioritized because it is the antithesis of what everybody has been wanting to do, which is get lean and fast and nimble. AMP doesn't do that. AMP takes more time to develop and increases your build process. And so it hasn't, the winds have been just been blowing in every mill's face, you know, almost since it launched, which is really unfortunate. Now, the other thing that is holding AMP back is inbox support. And I do feel like at its current levels, I think it'll still be around in five, 10 years, whatever horizon you want to look at. I think this is a viable feature, but it's not really going to grow all that much unless something changes. And really, in the US, the thing that has to change is Apple. You know, be, you know, Microsoft at one point looked at AMP and they halted their pilot and decided not to support it. I think even if they were to turn around and support it, that, that would be great. That would be good. But it wouldn't really change the equation because Apple Mail across you know, tablets, smartphones, and desktop has so much market share here in the US. Yep. That's the thing that would have to change to really make AMP be something that I use a lot because there are tons of brands where the addressable audience is just way too low because so many of their subscribers are on Apple Mail. Now, if you go to places like India, AMP free email makes a ton of sense there. There is way more market share um, in Google's pocket. And you can kind of see like there's actually pretty good usage there and they're doing really awesome things. But it just, until the market dynamics change here in the US and also in Japan where Apple has a lot of market share, I don't see it as 
becoming anything other than something that some brands use on some occasions. Yeah. Unfortunately. Okay. That's good. So let me pivot to a, another question. You know, we're in one in every seven apps. We have a huge amount of usage. We're sort of the starting point for a lot of mobile apps. And we see there's a lot of these businesses that are either just don't have email practices yet. And one of the you know areas of this audience for the podcast is some of those folks. So what are your recommendations on how they should get started with their email practice? What are the specific tactics that you would recommend, you know, somebody who's starting out? Like, and this could be a mobile app with a couple hundred thousand users. You know, they may be collecting emails, they may not be. You know, what are the things you would recommend for them? Yeah, so there's no problem with starting small with email marketing, you know, and starting simple. I think one of the most powerful things about email marketing is that it's incredibly iterative. You know, you send an email and you move on. And like sometimes like people make a lot of to-do about, you know, mistakes that get made in email marketing campaigns. And most of the time, come on, let's let's move on because there's another email in like, you know, two or three days. Let's just move on with our lives and everything will be okay. But like that's the sort of the, one of the things that I think is very magical about email is that you have the opportunity to iterate, iterate, iterate. And so you can start with something rather simple. And then you can, as you build up, you could start to add a little bit of personalization or you could add additional modules or you could add in, you know, that segmented campaign that goes to 20% of your audience based on you know, some behavior that you've noticed for them. Like you can start to kind of layer on and you can start, you know, some automations on the side, you know, obviously hopefully get that that welcome campaign started, but then maybe you turn that welcome email into a welcome series and you can just kind of iterate on everything and build it out slowly over time, you know, trying out new things, doing some A-B tests and seeing what works. So, you know, my advice is to start and start simple and small, and then just slowly add in more capabilities, more nuance, as makes sense for the resources that you have. And as you start to kind of prove it out, right? You start to get more and more of an audience, then that justifies more and more investment. Yeah. How do you think about, you touched on this earlier, and you actually specifically called out, you know, like what SMS or, and, and probably push are very similar in your perspective around versus say email, which is much more long form. You can do a lot more. It's asynchronous, right? So you can send it, you don't have to worry about worrying, right. you know, like again, if you sent SMS every time you're going to send an email, it would, you know. <laughs> you'd be I mean, in trouble. <laughs> yeah, you'd be in trouble. But then there's also things for real time, I think that are important. How do you think about the channels? How do they complement each other? And how do you advise people prioritize those channels? Yeah. So again, it's absolutely use all the channels that make sense. And the key is to recognize just how different these channels are. The expectations are wildly different. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, like real-time messaging, right? If you have something critical that someone needs to read in the next 30 minutes or, or what have you, Email is probably not the best. A lot of people read their email pretty quick, but like that's not really the ideal channel. SMS would be a much better channel or push because you know people can do it. So if you put in an order uh, for in-store pickup at your favorite retailer, you'll probably get an email that it's ready, but you'll probably also get an SMS saying, hey, you know, if you've opted in that your order is ready, come pick it up. And that's probably the one you're going to see first. So recognizing these, these strengths and, you know, and limitations of these channels uh, is really important. The other thing is, is that there's sort of two additional layers here. One is that 
hardly anybody does anything when you mention something once. There's this old rule called the rule of seven. I think it was developed in like the 1930s. For, it was around like radio. And it was the idea that you know, like someone needed to hear a message like seven times before they would take action. And the gist of that rule, I think, is still very much in effect. You know, people don't do something when you say it once. They got to hear it multiple times. It has to kind of like worm around in their heads a little bit. And then they start to get more interested. And all of these channels should be singing the same song. They should be harmonizing in some fashion, but they should also be playing to their individual strengths. So, you know, social media on there, you should be doing something kind of fun and cool, maybe visual, maybe something with influencers. Email might be, you know, more promotional. Direct mail is still very much viable and you can do some really cool personalized uh, stuff with sort of print on demand. So like you should be using all of your channels that you have to all kind of tell the same story, but come at the story from different angles as makes sense for the channel that you're using. The other thing is that increasingly when you talk about where things are headed is stuff like omni-channel orchestration. And it's the idea that anytime your customer does anything in any channel, that information can be used in any of your channels. A lot of times things are still very siloed. So, you know, any, you know, if I'm running email marketing, I'm just seeing things that are happening in the email marketing. Or if I'm running SMS, I'm only really seeing the stuff that's happening in my channel. And that is absolutely not the future. The future is way more dynamic where we treat customers like the omni-channel beings that they are. People do not engage with channels. They engage with brands. And their expectation is always that the brand knows you know, what they're doing in each of those channels. They want to be treated like that whole person that they are. So when they engage with a particular campaign on SMS, and that gives you a sign that they're interested in X, you really should be showing X in your next email marketing campaign, having a bit of personalized content or sending them a segmented email, you know, in, you know, the days and weeks ahead. Using that sort of cross-channel intel to inform what you do in each of your channels. That's where I think we're all kind of headed, but it's been a very long-term vision. And thanks to things like customer data platforms now, we're starting to kind of get there. But I think that's the thing that a lot of our big clients are focused on now is, all right, we've been treating you know, our customers as if they're an email customer, an SMS customer, a push customer, you know, a store customer, like, and they're not, they're just a customer. So let's bring all that data together and be much smarter and cohesive about how we talk to these people because they're just a customer. They're not a channel customer. Yeah. Amen. That's well said. We firmly believe that here, but it's a challenge, right? We're at this stage oh, yeah. where everyone's still in siloed. I've got my email product over here and all my content and data and, and subscribers and you know customer information. I might have a push platform over here. I might be using someone for SMS here. I might have my on-site content and mm -hmm. uh, you know, sort of database in a different place. And so major, major technological <laughs> technological issues there. Desire. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think a lot of things that happen in digital marketing, like we like to think that everything moves really fast and it doesn't move nearly as fast as we think it does. I I remember back in 2012 when I was at Exact Target. And we were talking about getting a 360-degree view of the customer. And here we are <laughs> 10 years later, yeah. and we're kind of finally able to do that with a big lift. 
You know, it's not simple to do even now. We've been talking about that dream for 10 years. So this absolutely something that we're going to be working on as an industry for probably the next five to 10 years. But when you look ahead about like what's different about email marketing, about digital marketing, you know, at the end of this decade, I think that's going to be one of the big ones is that at, by that point, we're going to be treating customers like customers and not, you know, an email subscriber or an SMS subscriber. Okay. Well, you, then you nailed my last question, which uh, we discussed before, which is where do you I think snuck ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I appreciate it. Especially, you know, we, we could have gone on for hours talking about this. So, <laughs> well, Chad, I really appreciate you joining the podcast. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Wish you all the best of luck and hope to stay in contact. You know, if you ever need anything, don't hesitate to reach out, but I appreciate you doing this. Well, I, I had a great time chatting with you, Josh. Well, that was awesome talking to Chad, talked a lot about even offline, just the differences and the importance of all these channels, quite frankly, you need, they're all very strong ROI. If you enjoy this, please subscribe to the One Signal podcast at your preferred podcast directory, Spotify, Apple, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, and many, many others. It's located, if you're looking for a great customer engagement software, uh, the most trusted solution used by more than 1 million companies across the globe, go to onesignal.com today and try it for free. In the meantime, have a great day. I appreciate you listening. Take care. Bye-bye.